Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome to episode 29 of The Thought Revolution. My name is Kristen Ebro. You heard that in the intro. And last time we met here, uh, episode 28, I was talking about being a new manager and was just sharing with you some of my experiences um, around what it was like to transition into that role and what I thought was really important to support that role. What I want to talk about this week is those first like 90 days. The first 90, the first 180 days that you're really in the role of a new leadership position. And I'm really thinking um, primarily about being in a management position, being that manager, because I think that that's, that to me is like the step, um, the gateway, the rite of passage into leadership. We can talk more about your first 90 days in a leadership position, um, but most often than not, as much as like the expansion of influence um, is there, it's just a different ball game. There's a different level of experience that you have. There's a whole new way that you have to reinvent yourself. But for most of us, our first taste of what that leadership looks like comes in the form of taking a formal management position. So that's where I really want to spend some time because um, everything, everything starts from there. Like there is that big jump from when you go from individual contributor to manager, like you have to reinvent who you are because you're not um, creating results through your work anymore. You're creating results through other people. So um, I think that there's just so much to learn there. And what you learn, especially in those first couple years, really shapes your leadership style to come. So that's why I think this is worth having a conversation about today um, and putting out some thinking there and my thoughts around this. And I would say to anybody new to management, anybody coaching a new manager, those first 30 days, like you got to have a plan, by the way. You want to have a plan. So if you're supporting new managers, think about what that plan would be. Think about what the first 30, the first 60, the first 90 days should look like. Those first 30 days, and I think most people would agree, is really all about learning. Like that's your mantra. Learn, learn, learn. This is really a phase. And consider that you're really out there and you're observing like you won't be able to get away with most likely just sitting back and studying um, the situation because things are just going to come at you. But that's the mode by and large that you're in. Like you're going to be making some fast decisions about things that are happening to solve immediate pains and issues. But from a long-term perspective, that's really what this is about. The long-term game, you're in observation mode. So the thing to resist would be to be fixing things immediately. There might be some low-hanging fruit, but that's not what you're going to go after. Not right away. You're really just trying to understand things. You don't want to fix things, but you do want to solve for frontline pains. So gather your data. Understand how the team is structured, how the organization is structured, how processes work. Um, understand who the people are. And I always say and there's, there's awesome tools I like to share with folks around this, but three things that um, you have to make sure that you're assessing, especially in the thir first 30 days. Uh, any new manager, like if you're not doing this, then um, you're behind the eight ball. One, you're assessing your people. Two, you're assessing the culture. And three, you're assessing the pains. I always say like if you've got a plan, 
it should say zero to 30 across the top of your piece of paper. And then down like the, the vertical side here, it should say people, culture, and pains. And there should be things that you know you're trying to learn or accomplish because you're going to be making a declaration about who are your folks um, that can support you. What is the culture that's currently happening? What is the culture that you want? And then what are the pains um, that you need to begin removing right away? So that's that's really important. So what does that mean then to go learn the business? And I think if if it's possible, and oftentimes there's more slack here for new managers than not, what you want to do is you want to go out and you want to begin to watch the work. You want to sit with people while they do the work. Like you don't want to ask them about it. That's a great start, uh, but that should be your follow-up. You want to spend time watching the work. You want to spend time doing the work beside somebody because what you really want to understand is what it's like for them. Um, and in part, it's modeling to folks like uh, it's modeling to people um how it is that you were performing that put you in that position. It's modeling to folks that you're shoulder to shoulder with them. But for you, quite frankly, it's just learning. It's learning how does this particular human being handle work that comes at them? How does this process operate? Um, and what are some of the obstacles that are getting in the way of your people being able to do their best work? So you are seeing pains, you're recording them. You're going to end up like I met with a couple managers just over the last four weeks and they seem just lost because they gave me three sheets um, of, you know, when I asked them, well, what are some of the issues or pains? They just had these long lists of issues and pains that their team was dealing with. And that's, um, I thought what was awesome about it is that they were taking the time to document that. What is useless about it is they had no idea where to start. Um, and so it just is overwhelming. And, you know, it depends on how you operate then because one of them was pretty analytical. So they weren't really ready to do anything. They just needed more data. Somebody else was super strategic. So they were about ready to go in and fix everything um, without fully understanding the problem or which one might be the biggest thing to really go after. Uh, and so, you know, getting the pains is really important. I think it's really powerful when you can understand like, um, and have a method for quantifying some of the biggest pain. So that's that. That's that. I just want to make sure I call that out. Um, you should be scheduling your meetings with your team members because, you know, learning pains is big, but learning about your people and the culture is probably one of the biggest. You're going to want to know what those unwritten rules are. So what is written in the books and what is unwritten? And um, this is your opportunity to observe the office culture. You know, even set things up um, with just the maybe secondary objective of trying to understand how people operate. So what I mean by that is um, I've sometimes set up meetings. They might be just like 15 minute check-ins um, with my team. And I might have like, you know, a semi-legitimate topic that I wanted to check in with them around because I wanted to see some things. I wanted to know, do people show up late? I wanted to know, do people speak up? I wanted to know, um, do people walk away and enter into conversations? Do they follow up with me later? You know, so be looking for things. So you can create opportunities to see culture, but you can also see it just leveraging what's already in place um, and trying to figure out, like, uh, look at the walls. Uh, if you're new to the team, you know, what's up on the walls? Uh, are there... Um, are there artifacts that show like what the results are supposed to be and how people are progressing? Are there, um, you know, posted up on the wall, some of the issues and what people are trying to work on um, so that we can see it? Or does everything just live in conversation in people's heads? Uh, so you're trying to understand like, how do people operate? Do they hide problems? Do they solve problems? Maybe they just don't bring problems up, which is another form of hiding, right? It's not like malicious. It's just, they don't trust the system. So you're really trying to get a sense of um, what some of these things are. So the first thing there is pains. The second thing is culture, right? And you're really listening for like, how do people respond um, to their work? 
And then um, the third thing here for me in the first 30 days is people. Because at this point, you're getting a sense of the issues. You're getting a sense of some of the unwritten rules. But now you want to know um, who on the team is performing, who on the team are the informal leaders, um, who on the team uh, are the detractors. And um, ultimately where you're going with this is if you've got a great tool to assess your culture um, and if you don't, you know, look up my website, um, DM me, email me. I'll send you a great tool. I'll help you out um, with that. But when you're assessing your culture, the only reason you want to assess it is because you want to understand what it is. And the reason you're doing that is is twofold. One is to make sure you understand what is informing how people are actually approaching their work. Um, and two, because you need to set the culture. And you can't set an appropriate target for a culture if you don't know what it is. So if you want a culture where folks are results driven, you have to know your starting point because maybe the starting point is folks aren't even like data driven. Like that's going to be, that'll be your first step then is to create, you know, folks that are data driven and then they can get to results. It'd be inappropriate to make a massive leap. Um, You need to know if um, they're more collaborative. And so if you're going to be introduced and and if what you want is for them to be more um, self-directed, uh, and they're too consensus-based, for example, then you're going to have to figure out a way to teach them new decision-making um, processes or begin to set up a new structure where folks can deal with the fact that they're not always going to have to come to consensus around every single decision. So those are the things that you're looking for. You have to understand the culture, and then you have to set the culture. And I've talked about this. Um, I've got this video out there. So if you follow me on Facebook or if you follow me on Instagram, I've got like a video um, series I put out once a week. People ask me questions, and I put out like my take. It's just my opinion. It's my take. It's a bit raw, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's like my take on you know how you deal with toxic employees. How do, my take on how do you ch- and how do you change culture? And this came up. Um, and you know, for me, I think what's really important is that oftentimes what happens for managers, especially new managers, but then eventually they become seasoned managers, is we get these complaints. And all we get are complaints, but we've never um, dictated how we want people to operate. So we get frustrated that our team is doing this, that, or the other. We get frustrated that people are a certain way, X, Y, and Z. But we've never declared for ourselves, much less communicated out um, what it is that we really wanted. I know for myself when I was a classroom teacher, if I said, you know what, I want a classroom um, that's got a culture of curiosity, then I needed to create um, a vision for myself of what people would be doing if they were going to show me curiosity. Would they be raising their hand? Would they be asking questions? Would they be um, researching things on their own? And how I was going to set that up. And the reason I say that is because for you as a leader, you have to understand where the culture is and where you want it to be. So if you want a culture that's, let's say, based on innovation, you have to declare that. And you have to say, what would people be doing if they were innovative? And you have to call out like three to five behaviors. It doesn't have to be a lot, but three to five behaviors that would help you understand how they're living that culture. So for example, if you said, you know what, I want um, folks to be innovative and that means that I want them to begin um, running tests um, as much as possible and taking risks. And what that would look like is that I would see visibly on the walls um, problems that people had and ideas that they had to solve them and experiments that they were trying and who was going to try them by when. Um, And we would be meeting around this wall, you know, like maybe once or twice a week to be sharing um, what kind of ideas we had and what we learned from trying them. Like, okay, now you can begin to take um, uh, an idea for how you want your culture to be and a statement and a vision into behaviors into then like the last piece, which is now how would I, uh, how would I operationalize this? What would, in order to make that happen, what would we need to experience, um, to make that work? So, um, those first 30 days, 
those are huge because you really are taking that time to understand then what are the pains, the biggest pains that I have an ability to influence that my team is dealing with. And so you got to get into the work to understand them. What is it that the culture is that's keeping this in place? And and what's the culture right now that, um, that may live that now that I have an idea about what it is, I want to declare a new culture. So what's the new culture going to be? Um, you're not going to get there, you know, and it's going to take you some time. You're not going to get there in the next 30 days, but you want to know what that is. And then finally, who are your people? Um, how are they contributing to this culture? But lastly, the reason that these all like these all tie together is because you're going to want to know if you're trying to establish a new culture. If you think about the adoption curve, who are your early adopters? Who are the ones who already fit into the vision that you have for the new culture? Who are the ones that are most likely um, to get on board with ideas for change? Um, who are the ones who are kind of here nor there, but they're going to follow Betty if Betty says yes, right? So you're going to want to know who those folks are in the middle, and then you're going to want to know who the resistors are. Um, the folks who are going to just say no no matter what, or the folks who um, aren't necessarily toxic, but let's just say that they um, are skeptics. And so they really have a hard time adjusting to change just in general. And um, they're so distrustful about how things are that they're, they're not the ones that you're going to be trying to preach to. You're, you just want to know who they are because you want to understand what their hesitancies are. And you're going to want to know that those aren't the ones that you're going to be like spending a lot of your resource on. Okay, You're going to be giving a lot of love to the other 70 to 80% that fall on early adopters and like the masses. So that's really what this is about is trying to understand this. And it's going to help you um, in the long run. So in my mind, okay, great. That's your first 30 days. In addition to all the other little things that go along with that, right? Like meeting with your boss. And and that's all a part of the pain conversation. Like, uh, have you met with your boss, your director, your manager? Because you want to understand what their pains are. By the time you're done with your 30 days, and most of the folks that I work with, they've like... My folks have a profile. They've got pains and they're able to understand which are the top pains for my boss, which are the top pains for me, and which are the top pains for my team. Then they've got a profile around the culture, what it is, and they're beginning to declare what they want it to be and how people would live it. So we can begin getting into the next you know, um, 30 and 60 days, which is how do we create the systems to drive that culture. And then last but not least, they have a profile of their people that helps them understand um, you know, who is it that's really supporting their leadership, who's supporting or who has the potential to support the vision of where they want to go, um, who are the masses, and then who might be um, resistors. Not necessarily bad, but folks that you're going to have to make sure that um, you're taking um, particular time to convey some stuff with. But also, these are folks that, again, remember, everything's about influence. And so you're not going to spend like 90% of your time trying to convince, you know, Jack that he needs to, you know, come on board. You're going you're gonna to put your arms around the, the early adopters and the masses, and they're the ones that are going to be surrounding Jack. That's how it works. And if Jack can't get on board, then you know what? We can do the next podcast, which is you know, dealing with folks that are you know, resistors or toxic and how to help them exit gracefully. But that's, you're not there yet. You're not there. This is, your, this is day 19, so you're not there yet, right? So that's really what this is about, those first 30 days. Um, in addition to all the other meetings that you're getting oriented to and the onboarding and trying to figure out what the policies are for X, Y, and Z, um, that's like tactical from the perspective of managing people, culture, pains. That's your first 30 days. That's learning, okay? Next 30 days, you know, this is, now you're talking like this is month two and bleeding into month three. This is all about clarity, okay? I think this is really important to understand because now that you've got a sense as to what this is, You've got to be able to clarify and align your direction and begin to execute. And I know sometimes people say, you know, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the, 
the I, I'll put this um, within the perspective of hierarchy, um, and pardon me if that you know puts you off. But within the perspective of hierarchy, the higher up, quote unquote, that you are in an organization, um, and I've I've experienced very few organizations that are flat. So most actually have a hierarchy. The higher up. Perhaps the longer you take to make some of these moves, right? Like you might not in your first 30 days as a VP, you know, come out and make, you know, daring moves. But as a manager, at the end of 30 days, as you're moving into your next month, um, depending on how well you've been able to understand the people, the culture, and the pains, it's okay. Now, you're not going to begin fixing things, but it's okay to begin setting up your systems to manage things to solve for pains. That's going to be the shakeup that you need to make sure is happening because that is you establishing um, your leadership. Much like a facilitator establishes group agreements and the agenda with a group or a teacher establishes their lesson plan and their classroom behavior um, or a coach establishes the game plan um, and, and the workout routine. Like You are establishing how it is that you're going to be orchestrating how people coordinate their work. Um, and so that's starting to happen here. You are creating your systems to capture and deal with pains. Think about it. If you're facilitating a meeting, like think about really good facilitation. Someone's got an agenda, right? Then the agenda has the purpose of the meeting. It has the agenda items on it. It has the outcomes for each item, right? Whether or not it's going to be something that's just um, informative, influencing, you need the decision, something like that. Um, you've got a way to capture um, Aaron or random topics that are important but not pertinent to the meeting because you've got a parking lot poster somewhere up. You've got a way to capture some of the decisions um, or um, some of the action items because you've got meeting minutes. You've got a facilitator who's watching time who says, you know what? Our time is up. Would we like to contribute another three more minutes to this topic so that we have a little more clarity? Like All of those things are about trying to facilitate, let's say, a 30-minute meeting. What is important to think about here is you're not coming to come out the gate at, at day 31 and start fixing things, but creating your system to capture and deal with pains is the same idea. You need a way to facilitate each day. So leading can wait. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, going and learning um, all about situational leadership, about um, emotional intelligence, all of those emotional intelligence, all those things are really important. And, I'm, and I wouldn't say if you were offered to go to those things, don't go to them. But what you need at this point in time is a structure to lead from. If you don't have a structure to lead from, then it's going to make it really hard to be able to deploy some of those quote-unquote leadership um, elements because you're not taught, we're not, managing relationships anymore. I know that that seems to be the major like body of knowledge in the field of management, but what you're managing is relationships to work. And I think that's really different and it's missed and I'm not sure why it's missed so often than not. So um, what's a big deal here then um, for you to be considering? Do you have um, your way to make sure that you can see the work? Where's the work visible? You're making sure that you have your system to see that. Um, if you can see the work, then I want you to begin to insert based on the pains that you've seen, like um, what else you need to see. So I've met with some groups and they can see their work because they're very project-based. So they use some tools to begin to see their work. But then I answer the question like, what are the pains? Well, our pains are around capacity. Great. How are you able to see the capacity? Help me visualize that if that's not present. So that's what we're beginning to do. Oh, we struggle with priorities. How are you visualizing the priorities and how they change? So that's really what we're focusing on here is making the work or the pains visible. Two, making those move. Three, 
beginning to show what the obstacles are. You want to begin to see these things. These things should be up on your walls. They should be somewhere that's accessible for folks to begin to see. And for bringing people together to continuously align around either the work, continuously align around the unplanned work, continuously align around the priorities, continuously align around the, you know, the schedule, whatever it is, you're getting them to align around the key pieces of work. And it doesn't matter if you're a distributed team or if you're all in the same office, high frequency is really important because you just like you know when someone lays off the break when they're facilitating a meeting and all of a sudden ted starts talking for 10 minutes and people look at you as a facilitator like hey you know bring it back that's what happens only it's much much worse uh if you're not keeping tabs of what the work is and how it's moving forward so you know i say if you can do it daily that's awesome bringing your teams together for like 5 to 10 to 15 minutes if it has to happen every other day that's fine too people always push back on me they think it needs to um you know be like once a week and i just think if it is then we're not looking at the right things there needs to be a, a fast rhythm to this it's gonna have to match your process but you need that so those systems to see that i think is really important um and, and once you have that once you have this system you have a way to begin driving some of the culture that you want you know, I've watched teams when we set up their system to begin seeing their work and bringing people together to see the issues and to align together. Those become, that's just a place, right? But let's just use that place as an example. That's the place where you can begin driving home. Oh my gosh. So what kind of experiments can we run if they want to, you know, build a culture of risk taking um, and innovation? What kind of experiments can we run? If they really want to begin to break down silos and open up collaboration and risk taking, um, you know, I've seen people hold things called like Mistake Monday. Like once a week on Monday, we're just going to walk through what are some of the mistakes that happened this week? What are some of the issues and errors that people like made or found? Because we want to begin to celebrate them. We're not celebrating that we suck. We're not celebrating that, you know, things are horrible, but we're celebrating that we're not hiding problems, right? So you're using that, you're leveraging it to create the experience. You see, you're not changing the culture. You're declaring it. You're declaring the behaviors you want. You're setting up the experience. And then your team is beginning to engage in the transformation. You just have to create the opportunity for that to happen. That's your job as the manager when you're trying to create results through others. And that's what you're beginning to um, create structures around in these next 30 to 60 days. Your structures for performance. You should be really clear. What is it that my team creates? What are the performance indicators that we're held to? Like, are there turnaround times? Is there a level of quality? Um, are there any long-term goals that we're held to? And you want to make sure that those are posted and visible. And then are there any lead indicators? So if we're supposed to have a certain amount of turnaround time, what kind of indicators tell us whether or not we're on track or not every single day, every single hour, whatever the right, you know, um, whatever the right range is for there for you to be able to track so that you can get a better sense as to like, oh my gosh, we're about to fall behind. So having your performance system in place, I think is really important. And so that always involves having um, your lag measures, your outcome measures, your, your performance indicators. So however you think about them, your lead indicators, having um, a scoreboard. So making sure that again, you've got something else that's visual in your workplace because you're creating a culture where people are, are results driven and understanding the progress that they're making to create value. And then you're bringing people together again um, to commit to accountability. What is it that we're going to do to get unstuck or to move the needle on our progress? So that's your performance system. You're beginning to create ways to capture the work, how it's flowing, what the issues are, and then our performance and how it's moving and how it's um, getting stuck and, and beginning to celebrate the true capacity of your team. And so to me, like 
that's your next 30 to 60 days. Like that is your deal. You're building those structures. If they're in place, you're expanding them. You're leveraging them. If they're not in place, you're building them. If you don't know how to do that, you're getting the expertise um, that you need to, to build those systems. Without them, what's going to happen is day 90 shows up and then all you've got, the only play you've got is how awesome a person you are and maybe how awesome the team is. That's all you got. And to me, like that's luck because I've seen awesome people on teams exit the dynamics change. I've seen awesome teams get thrown off and disrupted by technology changes. And then what? Because the leader, the manager, the team didn't understand the importance of building the structures, you know? Um, and again, take it back to the metaphor of a meeting. We've all seen meetings get derailed by somebody who's got an issue, emergency, or someone who just talks too much or someone who asks too many questions. You have to have strong structure to run an awesome meeting. And that's the role of facilitator. The same is true for the manager and the long-term performance of their team. And for goodness sakes, I just feel like find a mentor. Like that to me is... Everyone kind of gravitates to somebody and it's probably somebody in your organization, but finding some kind of mentor or coach, I think is huge, um, in any transition. Uh, but definitely like for this one, having someone to help you think about like, it's, it's super normal to have certain mindsets in place and having to go through a transition like this is going to require that you have new mindsets in place and it'll feel more natural to some people some of the time, but for most of us, it's not natural. I mean, I know for myself when I went from being employed in the workforce for like 20 some odd years to being self-employed, I did not realize the kind of mindsets I had. Um, I had a lot of, you know, employer mindsets. I was employed and being a self-employed person is a totally different ballgame. Um, when you're an individual contributor, you have your own mindsets and it's a very different place to be a manager and then a leader as well. So it's just, you find that person, um, cause you're going to go through all sorts. It's hard to call out all the things that somebody goes through in their first 90 days, especially in the first year. So having someone to lean on that's got your back, I think is huge. Let me tell you what you're not going to do, by the way, you're not going to come in and just fix things right away because you're probably going to make a mess. Um, you're not going to come in and be the heavy unless someone asked you to, because your job is to turn around something and just to clean house. And that's really different. Um, you're not gonna, for Pete's sake, you are not going to just say, Hey, everybody have an open door policy and leave your door open. Cause you're going to create a bunch of bad habits. People are going to come in your office all the time. What you are going to do is take care of yourself. What you are going to do is know that you're going to communicate how your door is open and you're going to communicate when that door is closed. You are going to begin to set boundaries because you're going to create goals for yourself in those first 90 days. That's that last piece is really being clear about your development and it gets missed. I think it's so weird. I think that one of the, like, even when you ask people like, you know, like what, what do good leaders do? You know, they communicate, they're courageous, they're blah, blah, blah. No one ever says that they invest in themselves. And I just think that's weird. It's kind of like asking people like, who's the most important person in your life? And they say, my mom, my wife, all of that is like so true, but like no one ever says themselves. Like no one should be more important than you. Like you should love yourself more than anybody else and not in a kind of vain way. You should just like have a high regard for taking care of who you are because who you are is super impactful. And so everything else comes from that place. So I say that because you should be having a plan for how you're going to be developing yourself as well. And part of that means that if you're going to have an open door policy, that you're creating boundaries for folks to help them understand my door is open from these hours. And when they're not open, 
you know, they're closed because I'm developing myself, I'm investing in growth, I'm learning about the organization. Like, you really want to make sure that that's clear because you want to create the habit for people to know that they can come to you, that you're accessible, but they also want it to be a reliable thing so know when they can come to you. I mean, that's huge. Okay, so um, enough. Uh, 90, I feel like we've been talking for 90 days already. So those first 90 days, like super huge. First zero to 30 days, you're assessing people, culture, and pains. So there's awesome tools for that. Go ahead and email or DM me. Um, you can find me. I'd love to share them with you. Or you can um, come to one of my workshops at some point in time. The next 30 to 60 days, you're building your systems to capture and deal with pains. And the two biggest systems that you're creating are your systems for your daily management and your systems for performance. Those are your two biggest systems. Um, and again, you know, go to our, my website, um, www.impactconsultancy.org. You can learn more about what that looks like um, so that you at least have an idea about what I'm talking about and you can understand whether or not you've got some of those systems in place right now. And then, you know, as you're moving through those zero to 90 days, you have a plan for your own leadership development and your own personal development. And I think that's just paramount. I don't care if it's, you know, what you want to do is grow around your emotional intelligence. Like, that's great. Set up milestones and goals for that. Or if it's what's really important is that I maintain my exercise and my health as I make this transition. And you, you know, but set up those goals so that you can set up your boundaries so that you can be the most effective person and the most effective manager that you can be. So, that's my list for the first 90 days. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's out there. Um, my favorite piece of advice was, you know, you go out there and you overperform, Chris. I had no idea what that meant. And if you heard my last podcast, you would know that that did not happen for me. So um, I'm wishing all of you the ability to have a huge impact in this world. Instead of, you know, just making things work, you're making a difference. And so that's what this conversation is about, is really giving you an opportunity to begin thinking about and sharing maybe um, with others like what that first 90 days should look like. I know this is a podcast. It'd be boring if this was more of a training, but um, you know, this is me loosely talking about what I think needs to happen. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. I'd love for you to share this with other folks. I'd love for you to um, subscribe and review. I would love to hear some of your reviews, even if all you were able to do when you went into review was give me like a little thumbs up emoji. That That's great too. I can even take a meh as long as I understand what's going on there. So um, guys, I'll see you next week. I'm excited. Episode 30. We're almost there. All right. See you next time.